And one other point about like that fear of pissing people off or turning them off. I always like to remind people that nothing, no brand that you can think of, no person, no brand, no anything that you love is liked by everybody. Like for anything that you are crazy about and think is total perfection, there's someone out there saying, nah, not for me. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. Today, I have the honor of chatting with the ever so hilarious and amazing Laura Belgray, who is truly the go-to for all things copy for online entrepreneurs and businesses. Now, Laura has worked with some super successful organizations from major TV networks to the incredible Marie Forleo on their signature program, Copy Cure. She helps transform website content, email newsletters, business taglines, and so much much more to really ensure that it captivates a brand's audience. Now, Laura and I got to meet a few months ago through mutual friends, and not only do we both have a love for the Real Housewives of fill-in-the-blank, because we watch all of them, but we also have a love for strategy, growth, and really get into the heart of your audience and what they want from you. So in this episode of today's podcast, we're going to dive in with Laura on how she got started, some of the biggest mistakes that she's made in her business, and some really awesome tips for successful copy online. Now, this is going to be an episode that you are going to want a pen and pad for, or you're going to want to get your computer out or your notes on your iPhone, whatever you use to really jot some of these down. This may be one that you also want to go back to and listen to. I was even taking a crap ton of notes when Laura was talking. You're really going to love what she has to say and the amazing insight that she offers. Now, before we get to all of that, I have to give a quick shout out to our reviewer of the week. You know that we do this every week because I love you guys and I want to give you guys my love. And this is to David Trotter. And he says, thank you for all the time and energy that you invest in the podcast episodes. They are both inspiring and full of actionable insights. Thank you, David, for taking the time out of your day to leave this feedback, to give me a little boost of confidence on this day so I can share more of that goodness to each and every one of you. So now you know that I like to do this. And if you have not subscribed to the Influencer Podcast yet and left us a review, please do so. We like to head to iTunes mostly, but we also do check out Stitcher and all the other places where you guys listen and hang out. I want to make sure to highlight your review in an upcoming episode. Also, you know that I love to chat with you on the gram. So make sure to screenshot this episode on your phone. Tag me at Jill Solomon and our guest today at Talking Shrimp NYC and hashtag the influencer podcast so we can hear what your biggest takeaway of today's episode is and share that on our stories as well. I also want to make sure that you know about our awesome community that we have over on Facebook. If you are looking for daily tips on how to really level up your business after the podcast episode ends, then make sure to check out our awesome group where we chat all things to help you really up-level once you listen to the podcast and you're ready to take that next step. So you can go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the influencer podcast for that free goodness. Welcome to the influencer podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. Laura Belgray in the house. 
I'm here. I'm in the house. Yeah. We also moonlight as uh, crooners too, Laura and I. <laughs> no, nobody is buying tickets to to hear me croon. I promise you. <laughs> oh, it's so good to have you here. Thank you for being here. I am delighted to be here. I've actually had my eye on this podcast and have wanted to be on it. So I'm very happy to be here. Oh, and yes, and I back at you with your amazing work, which we're going to talk about today. One day when I can afford you, Laura Belgray, I am going to hire you to write my amazing <laughs> copy. <laughs> or, or, or maybe I will just uh, sponsor you or do, we'll, we'll have some kind of branding agreement. Yeah. Yes. This, this yeah. podcast episode is sponsored by Talking mm. Shrimp. That's right. And then, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't give you a free hotel stay. I know you're the master of getting those. Yes. Um, okay. Well, we have to dive into it. And, and luckily, I got to meet you in person uh, last week when we were in San Diego, which was amazing. Um, it was great. It was so yeah. great. Um, but for those who may not know you yet that listen, tell us who you are and why you're so amazing. Oh my gosh, that's a big job. Do we have time? Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Laura Belgray. I have a business called Talking Shrimp. And uh, I'm known for copywriting. That's really what my business is about. But I would say that in a broader sense, I'm more about helping creatives, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and people with, with personal brands put their full personality into their brand and their business so that you are as close as possible to getting paid to be you. That's mm. the holy grail. Mm, love it. Um, so you have you've done some pretty like massive stuff. I mean, you've written TV spots for NBC, Fandango, our favorite Bravo, mm-hmm. um, and you've worked with with massive, amazing, fantastic women in 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 our business, like Marie Forleo. Um, yeah. You've been doing this for a minute, so mm-hmm. I would love to kind of peel back the layers and um, share how you know, where your passion for writing and for, for copy, as we say, um, comes from and, and how you kind of found yourself doing what you do. Oh yeah, sure. Um, oh gosh. I mean, I can start all the way back (laughs) at, uh, you know, getting out of, out of college. I knew, and this is a long time ago. Um, I knew that I wanted to do something with writing, but because I, I really loved writing and yet and yet I hated it. I hated it when it was assigned to me, but I loved doing it for fun and always imagined myself doing some kind of fun writing um, and getting paid for it. But I had no idea what that would be. So I pictured like, okay, there, the different paths you can take. You can be a novel writer, you know, book writer, and then you're trapped in an attic. I pictured myself lonely in an attic in my pajamas, drinking myself to death. I don't even drink, but I fit, thought that would be a part of the picture, you know, crumpling, crumpling drafts from a typewriter. Right. Cigarette and, smoke blooming. Exactly. I don't do that either, but the, I knew that was going to be part of it. So I was like, no, that's not going to be good. Um, and it felt just unwieldy or being a screenwriter, you know, there was that angle and then you'd have to move to Hollywood and write spec scripts and struggle and, um, and also be lonely, but in a cafe and, (laughs) or uh, desperate or, or Or then there was, yeah. And both. And then I also kind of pictured advertising. Like I loved the idea. Did you ever see the movie, nothing in common? 
with Tom Hanks. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, long time ago. So, so I loved like Tom Hanks worked in an ad agency and he has, he and his ad buddies would like throw pencils at their drop popcorn ceiling to, you know, make them stick up there. And I thought like, Oh, that would be fun. That's how you come up with ideas with the team. You just sit around and shoot the shit and, um, and brainstorm and throw pencils at the ceiling. So maybe advertising, but it was like, Oh, but that's a job in an office and you have to wear a suit. And you have to wear pantyhose. And I remember like anytime someone, someone would say, what are you going to do for work? Like for a job, I would say, I don't know, but I know I'm not putting pantyhose on these legs, <laughs> which was like a weird line for me because I, did, I don't really have nice legs. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be down on myself, but it's not my best feature. So it's a strange way to say, strange thing to say. Right. Like that was the thing that you were like, right. absolutely. Exactly. I cannot cover these legs. Um, so I eventually found my way, like after bartending and sleeping late and all that stuff, uh, living at home, um, I found my way into magazines and started there. And I, I got a, an internship at this cool magazine called Spy Magazine. It was a, an early 90s publication in New York. And, um, and as part of the internship, I was supposed to pitch ideas and I did not, I didn't have any ideas and realized, and, and the managing editor took me out for lunch and was like, you know, you can take initiative. And <laughs> like, oh, I was like, I would, if I had anything to any ideas. So I realized I don't want to be a journalist. And then by some miracle, I got hired when my internship was up on the ad side. They said, we've got work for you. Mm. And they, um, so I took it and they assigned me an advertorial. And so not everyone knows what an advertorial is. So in case you're listening and don't know, it's like in, in a magazine, if you're flipping through the magazine and see, you know, there'll be a page that looks like it's part of the magazine, you'll start reading and then realize, wait a minute, this is an advertisement. So that's an advertorial. It looks like content. It's content marketing. Mm-hmm. Looks like content, but it's in it, but it's an ad. So I was assigned one of those for doers, scotch. And, um, it was, I wrote a quiz. It was this big, like kind of, it looked like it was part of the spy, which is a satire magazine. And it was a quiz called, do you party like your uncle Marty? It was this, um, <laughs> it was basically a quiz to find out if you are like a cool young hipster or an old geezer. Right. And if you're an old geezer, obviously the remedy is drink some doers scotch. And then there were recipes around that. So they really loved that. And that was my first taste of copywriting. Um, It was in the magazine. That was really exciting. And I realized, oh, this is how you get to write fun little things uh, that are not, you know, that don't keep you in an attic for years and you get paid for writing. And um, that led into doing TV promos, which was a dream. I didn't even know that job existed, but a friend of mine from Spy got hired as a promo writer and producer. And I said, what are promos? And he said, that's, um, you know, when you watch a whole bunch of TV and then write little things that they show during the commercials for the TV shows, like the ads for the TV shows. And I was like, oh my God, that's a job. I have to have that job. Sign me up. And luck would have it. There was room for me in that industry. Someone, um, his boss hired me to write my first promo and I was there. Uh, I went from there to Nickelodeon, Nick at night, which was the place to write promos. 
and was there for years and years. And uh, for the launch of TV Land, which was a 24-hour mm-hmm. spinoff of Nick at Night. And so I was in promos for years and years and um, didn't get into the did not get into the online world um, until I met Marie Forleo. Wait, actually, years after I met Marie Forleo, who I was friends with from Hip Hop Classic Crunch. We just happened to meet there, <laughs> and um, and years later, I was I was yeah, and I was in I was in a I hated her at first. Um, she's just so annoyingly perfect and like flat <laughs> abs and big boobs and hair that never seemed to get stringy or right. wet, no matter how much we sweat. And so and perky happy, right. and happy, perky, <laughs> always trying to make it fun. It's like, get out of here with your fun with attitude your fun and your flat stuff. abs, right. all your fun stuff. Your cute but, butt. Yeah. And your yeah. cute butt. It was very <laughs> disappointing when we started talking one day and I found out she's really nice and I couldn't hate her anymore. Right. Um, and that was a very fruitful discovery because we, we became friends and years would walk home from crunch together every day. And, and when she started teaching her hip hop class, I of course went to it and was her front row mafia. Love it. And then, um, and so years later I was in a creative rut and kind of like, I decided to take Marie's course which I didn't know what it was for. It was an online course called, it was just called on, it was just called mastery, online mastery. Mm. And it's like mastery of what? Who doesn't matter. It was, you know, it was, it was the mid, you know, mid 2000, mid aughts. You could name something mastery and people (laughs) would take it. And so I was in that and she discovered me professionally. She already knew what I did, but um, I started helping people in her in the online group with their website copy. Cause you know, I, it was just natural for me. They would say, how does this sound? And I'd be like, it sounds like a robot. Mm. Let's change it. And so she asked me to speak at her first live event. And, um, I spoke on copy. I spoke on, it was five, five steps or five tips for non-sucky copy. And from that talks, people started asking me if they could hire me to help them with their copy. Um, and it was a whole different world. It was web copy. It was like, you know, a realtor who needed help with their homepage rather than TV promos. But I, so I'd never done that before, but it didn't really matter. I knew that I could do a better job than most people because most people don't know how to write in human language. Mm. So that's, that's how I got started in this weird world that we're part of. Mm. I love Online. that story. So, it's so you. fun. Um, My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. 
This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business business for sponsoring the show. So how was that transition for you going from more of that traditional landscape, if you will, to then diving into this online space? Um, did you feel kind of like a fish out of water or were you like, oh my gosh, these people like desperately need, need help. And I'm so glad that I'm here to, to, to really serve them and teach them. You know, that's, that's a good question. Um, that no one's asked me, it happened really gradually. And for quite a while, I was I was pretty snobby about the online world. I was like, I work in TV. TV to me was like, right. that's way cooler than helping, you know, than these coaches, um, like struggling coaches. And so I felt a little bit above the above it all in terms of the online world. And then um, gradually, like, just started helping more and more people, and like, and really loving it more and more, and having a, I think realizing that I actually did like having an effect on someone's life. Mm. Um, I mean, this is a like TV promos. You can't measure their impact. It's people say, okay, that was a, you know, that was an awesome spot. Love that spot you wrote. And that's gratifying. But then as I started helping more people, I was like, oh, wow, I can actually help someone for an hour. And then that has an impact on their business. And they like, and they come to me later and say, I made more money because of you or like my, you know, my whole business changed because of just the words that we changed on the page. And so I got to really appreciate that opportunity and my whole business has switched over to that pretty much. I rarely, I do a little TV stuff here and there, but I really, I really like this weird world, even with its, you know, dumb cliches that make me barf and step into your power and all that kind of language. I, I can't stand that um, step into your power stuff and unleash your awesomeness and right. vague promises like that. Right. But I really, I really like this. I like this industry, I have to say. So if someone came to you and was like, I'm using the phrase step into your power and mm-hmm. for some reason it's not converting. You know, like, I I feel like I'm sharing that, like, you know, I give my audience tips on how they can step into their power, but that's not working. How would you change that phrase? Well, I would ask, what does stepping into your power look like to you? And what does it look like to your audience? Does that mean, you know, that when you walk into a room, like when you walk into the conference room, everyone puts down their muffin and their phone and listens to what you have to say, that could be one version. Does it mean that you are speaking on stages? Um, or does it mean that you're getting up, you know, at an hour you want to get up and like you're getting up early every day and working on the book that you've promised you'd write? What does that look like? What does, what does power look like to you? Mm. And then I would make it specific. Yeah. I love that. That's a great little tidbit. I just, I had to ask because I was like, Ooh, this is good. Um, So, and and I want to dive into that, um, into this, if we can talk, talk tactical to me. Sure. Um, Oh, sexy. Yes. So a lot of times I hear my audience that are like, you know, 
I, I want to send an email, but I don't know what to say, or I send an email and it falls on deaf ears, or, you know, I write an Instagram post or a Facebook post and it's like crickets. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times what, what I see when I'm like, well, let me kind of see like what you're writing. It sounds to me like they're, they're talking more like a walking billboard ad and not Mm -hmm. like, like they would talk to me if they saw me in an elevator or were sitting next to me on an airplane. And I know that you mentioned that earlier, that a lot of times when you first got into the space, you were like, oh, well, you sound like a robot. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of dive into a little bit of that and, and what you see to be some of the challenges that people face when they're trying to connect and convert and just keep hitting that wall? Oh yeah, sure. Well, the, the first challenge and what really makes them sound like a robot is that it's been drilled into them that they have to be grammatically correct and formal to sound professional. They mistake formal for professional. And I fully believe that conversational is the new professional. You want to sound like a human. You want to write like you talk. And often that means um, messing around with punctuation and the rules of grammar and using sentence fragments and using the old apostrophe button. When you hit, it's all it takes is like one keystroke with your right pinky, if you're a touch typer, to make your language sound less formal. And that, so that's the using contractions, using the apostrophe. So instead of saying, you know, uh, in the next email, I will show you how you can blah, blah, blah. It's in the next email, I'll show you how to blah, blah, blah. Mm. Right. I, so I'll, instead of I will. You will instead of you will. Um, we are instead of we are. So like we are having a party. Who is the party for? Is it a robot? <laughs> you know, we are having a party. You wouldn't say we are having a party. So using um, contractions and reading your stuff out loud is a great way to see if it's actually, if you're actually writing like you talk. Mm. And do do you, is that, would that be your tip to literally write like you talk? Because I've had a lot of people say, well, you know, I can't, you know, I'm not a good writer because I, you know, I write, I write like I read or I write like I talk. Yeah. Oh, no, you are a good writer. If you were told you weren't a good writer by like your English teacher, you may well be an even better writer than most people Mm. because it requires breaking a lot of grammar rules to be a good writer, especially for a modern reader. You know, oh, that's good. Um, yeah. so, so if you feel self-conscious about your grammar and your punctuation and your spelling, I mean, you can spell check and you should, there's no reason that it should be littered with typos. Um, and so you should check that, but you, you're allowed to break the rules. You're allowed to use sentence fragments. You're allowed to do all the things that your English teacher told you not to. Mm-hmm. It's just helps. It's, it's helpful if you know the rules and know why you're breaking them. Um, so that's, that's worth paying attention to, but it doesn't mean that you're a bad writer at all. So that's like, that is my first tip for loosening up your writing and making it sound human. Another, I mean, one reason that writing often falls flat is because we're using big generalities and trying to be teachy. So you might write a post about, I I think I just saw an email from someone like so-and-so PhD and it was like, um, Unsurprisingly, time management is one of the biggest problems that trips up the average entrepreneur. And then it went on to say, like, um, to give some tips about time management. And it was so boring. I would have, like, I would have read all the way through if it had started with a personal story. Mm -hmm. Like, 
you know, the other day I had, you know, I had uh, a, I had a, an article due at, you know, at 1 p.m. And I started it at, you know, of course I started it at noon and then this happened and then that happened, you know, and, and maybe we can hear what the deadline meant to you. Like if I didn't turn it in, I'd never be asked to write for them again. So personal stories with personal details, with concrete details makes all the difference. Speaking in generalities, giving big sweeping advice and um, talking about, you know, studies show that blah, 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 uh, is just dry and dull. We want to hear about you. Or we want to hear, or maybe we want to hear about us, but using concrete details and using, using story rather than big words. Mm. Can, I want to touch on that a little bit more because I think a lot of times people are like, well, I don't, I don't know how to craft a story. I don't, I don't have a story. I mean, it's, you know, they get into that, that mindset that they have nothing really of value or Mm -hmm. of, of interesting, um, and and maybe that's it. I mean, maybe people feel like they have to be so unique and interesting with it that then they psych themselves out. I think so. And I would like to say that the the most interesting stuff is probably the most mundane, the, what you might think is mundane, the little tiny details of your day um, that you were, you know, you can make a story out of anything instead of, well, okay, I just saw that you posted about um, speaking on on stage, right? And you, mm-hmm. you had a picture of you, I think it was from TNC or somewhere. And it was on Instagram. And you talked about, you said in, you know, I decided last year that 2019 would be my year of speaking on stages. And you talked about what that meant to you and how you went about doing it. And, um, and you talked about the details of it. Now, someone might instead think, okay, I want to post a picture. I want to brag that I spoke on a big stage. Um, maybe I'll just post this picture and say, you know, speaking on stages is one of the best ways to get to, a, to you know, expose yourself to a broader audience. It's so boring. Instead, tell us a story about it. I mean, whether it was that you planned to speak on stage or I was so nervous before I stepped on the stage. Um, I mean, I might say like, before I, before I stepped on this stage, this is real, you know, when they, when they called my name to come up on the stage, I realized that my bra strap was slipping inside my jumpsuit and was about to come down. And so I was actually late for this moment. So I love little details. And I think that story is everywhere. Um, I, I often, I try to write pretty prolifically for my audience. Like I try to write three emails a week. Mm. I've recently stepped it up from one a week. And that means a lot of days. I'm like, what am I going to write about? I don't have anything. I'm all out of topics in my, in my Evernote, in my stash in Evernote. Mm -hmm. And I might just look around the room and think like, is there something in the room that I can talk about? I mean, I can say, I can, I, I can open my desk drawer and say my desk door drawer is crammed with stuff um like is crammed with stuff that i have to take care of and i might just do a post about that like how two months ago it was like clean as a whistle i had uh, emptied the whole thing to impress my husband um and thrown out and gotten through all the paperwork and thrown it all out um thrown out all the stuff i'm really not going to use again and i go into that in detail and say like now it's full again and I might make some point about that, like about how we have to create regular habits, or maybe it's about 
touching things once and taking care of them before you put them in a drawer. So there are so many things that you can like just look around your room and turn it into a story, maybe even with a teachable. It doesn't always have to have a teachable. Mm. But I think another another thing that trips people up when they're thinking, I have nothing to write, or I have nothing to say, is what I call the value trap. The value trap is thinking, getting the notion that value has to be a teachable. Mm. That value has to be, okay, I'm not delivering value unless I give in five, you know, five tangible tips to whatever, five tips to have a greener kitchen um, or five tips to breastfeed better. So it doesn't have to be a teachable. It can be providing value can mean, um, it can mean showing someone a different way to look at something. It can mean getting them, um, giving them something to react to emotionally. Like it can mean either brightening their day or getting them riled up and pissed off or making them laugh, entertain them. That can be value. Value can be just letting someone know they're not the only one who does this weird thing. Like letting people say, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one. Thank God someone else does that. Yeah. I mean, what the word that keeps kind of coming up for me with this is like vulnerability, Mm -hmm. just really showing up and, and being vulnerable and not being afraid to, and, and, and then that kind of leads me to the next thing that I wanted to ask you about how, because people choose not to be vulnerable, they just kind of look around to see what everyone else is doing or how everyone else is writing. And then they just kind of either write that way, or they really, um, they kind of dampen they're mm-hmm. like what they really want to talk about and, and what they really want to share and provide because they don't want to stand out or they don't want to, um, you know, piss anyone off or they don't, yeah. you know, they just kind of want to appeal to everyone. And so they kind of keep it really surfacey. Um, do you, ha- do you have any tips on how to overcome that? Or do you kind of see that yeah. as a challenge as well? No, I'm, I'm a hundred percent for, first of all, for being vulnerable, but I like to call it flossom because I feel like vulnerable is, is overused and I get tired of people, um, people's, excuse my language, vulnerable bullshit or vulnerable brags, <laughs> um, where they use vulnerability to brag about something. And they're yes. just like, this I is- call that curated <laughs> imperfection. Yes, exactly. And they'll say, they'll announce it. They'll say, this is my most vulnerable post ever. And then they'll say like, I'm really feeling raw and vulnerable um, about my recent seven figure launch. It's just, you know, more money than I've ever made. And, and I think I'm having an upper limit problem. Does anyone, you know, anyone know how to deal with this? And by the way, sign up for my course on seven figure courses. So, um, so I like Flossom because I think it's I think it is so attractive to show your flaws and embrace them and have fun with them, flaunt them. And, um, and also, and your opinions, your position, your point of view, like what hill are you willing to die on? Be, be willing to take a position that people won't agree with. So if you're afraid that you'll turn people off, I would be more afraid of not turning anyone off. Mm. If it is exactly what you want to do is, you know, piss off the people you don't want and get a smile or a head nod or a reaction or like a hell's yeah from the people you do want. It's a great, it's a great velvet rope. And it's a big favor to people because we all know, like 
how many times do you have to read about how um, social media is, you know, it's killing our self-esteem. It's killing us all, comparisonitis. And we see enough perfection in our feeds and in our inboxes and people, you know, talking about how great they are or, as you said, the curated imperfection we can see right through. It's such a favor to us when we can, when we see that, oh, you're not perfect. And, um, oh, you said something that is like, that might be pissing me off or that I disagree with. I actually, I applaud that. I just, I kind of applaud that chutzpah to take Mm -hmm. that stand, even if I don't like it. And I'll notice you, Mm, but, but it's, it's also, you know, amazing to be able to say, you know, oh, thank God this person struggles with that too. Like for me, it's when someone who's a huge, you know, huge thought leader, influence, whatever, someone super successful um, admits that they spent a week getting nothing done because they're just trapped in that, like in that either writer's block or can't just can't seem to get anything done situation Mm -hmm. or that, or that they're scared and nervous um, and feel self-conscious or that they feel like they failed at something. I really appreciate those moments. Mm. Yeah, that's a great reminder too of just because I think a lot of times we we like to try, I mean when we're when we feel good and we feel confident and we you know we we get that surge of energy that's when we want to talk and share but it's a lot of times in those really just kind of <laughs> I'm in a dark cloud right now and I don't know why and I just want to sit on my couch and watch Real Housewives and like mm-hmm. just feel this I mean that is I think that that is just as valuable because we're human beings and we we all feel <laughs> every. Right. Right. It's, yeah, it's hugely valuable. And it's even more valuable if you mention that you want that all you want to watch is Real Housewives. If you say, all I want to do is sit on the couch and watch TV, that's, you know, that's great. But if you specify Real Housewives, now I'm like, oh, she watches Real Housewives too. And then I identify with you even more. So little details like that, they add story, they add flavor, all that. Oh, and there, and, and one other point about like that fear of pissing people off or turning them off. I always like to remind people that nothing, no brand that you can think of, no person, no brand, no anything that you love is liked by everybody. Like for anything that you are crazy about and think is total perfection, there's someone out there saying, nah, not for me. Right. So like, you know, Real Housewives, we know is perfection. Plenty of people who don't like it. Does that mean they should take it off the air or should they retool it so that it's less bitchy? Two million percent not. Uh, right, exactly. And I don't I mean, really know if I trust anyone who doesn't like Real Housewives. I definitely don't. <laughs> I'm, except except for my husband, but I actually I think that he secretly likes it. Right. But you know he doesn't. You know he doesn't like them all yelling over each other at the reunion specials, right. and he doesn't. And and he thinks it's you know vapid and stupid, and he can't stand listening to them talk on and on about who spread the rumor about Dorinda. <laughs> um, so, does that mean that they should retool the show? No, it is fine that somebody doesn't like it. Lots of people don't like it. You have right. to be as you as you possibly can, mm. and the people who don't like you, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, you can see. I mean, Starbucks. A lot of people who like it. A lot of people who don't. They're exactly. doing just fine. They are doing just <laughs> fine. A-okay. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for that. I think that's a great reminder. And just, um, I hope that those, um, that you guys that are listening today, just kind of let that settle in a little bit um, because it's it's valuable. And I think that it can, those moments that we feel stuck, 
it, it's just the little mindset tweaks like that that can kind of just get us out of, of that of that loop that we can get ourselves in. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're emailing three times a week. I would love to kind of talk about emailing, newsletters, all of that stuff, because copy obviously is so important when it comes to emails. Um, I know a lot of people who, again, you know, they're like, I don't have a consistent, um, you know, email plan or email schedule because I don't know what to say, or I don't know what to write. Um, and, and they really get scared of, of emailing when, you know, it's such an important, important. And, and I think the most important thing that you own as a business owner is, mm-hmm. is your, your connection through your email list with those people who have raised their hand and said like, Hey, I want you to email me. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I want you to tell me about your products and services. Please beat me over the head with it in a, in a way that, that they like, obviously. Yep. Yep. Um, so can you share with us just kind of your, your perspective, because you come from you know, your angle of, of the writing side and, and any kind of tips that you have or are challenges that you even see, not only in, in the work that you do with your clients, but in your own work and how you've figured out a way to cultivate some kind of consistency. And I want to go ahead and say, because I don't want people to be eye rolling right now being like, well, she's a copywriter. So of course mm-hmm. she has consistency. Because there's a lot of people who aren't, you know, uh, writers who yeah. still consistently show up. Um, so what what's your take on that? hundred percent. Well, it is, I wish I hadn't waited so long to get consistent and be prolific in email. It is the one mistake, like I'd say the one biggest mistake that I've made, or I won't call it a mistake. It's just caused a delay in my business, business growth that I waited. So I waited many years before I decided email as a practice is going to be my thing. Like I'm going to put my energy into that. And it really, it makes a huge difference. That is how you build the the incredible know, like, and trust with your audience where they are willing to go to bat for you and do anything for you. Just that, I think just that act of keeping you in their inbox sends a signal to themselves. Like, I like this person. I want them around. I'm loyal to them. And um, I think it's, there are so many people doing email wrong and badly that it is a great opportunity to stand out in people's inboxes, you know? And um, so I will say in terms of being prolific, like three times a week, I was emailing once a week and was pretty happy with that. And I like to sell my mini products that I have in my shop. I have a copywriting mini course and a couple of other things and about page builder, et cetera. And they're small priced. And that's one thing that I like to sell, you know, over and over in my emails without really, I don't always sell it, but I always have it at the bottom. And so my coach, Ron, um, Ron Reich, who you may have heard about, um, he, yeah, you've heard, we've all heard about Ron now. So Ron's awesome. And he said, I guarantee you that if you, um, if you up your frequency of emailing from once a week to three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, that you will double your sales of this product. And I did. I, he was absolutely right. Within a month of going from once a week to three days a week, I, my sales went up by 100%, more than 100%. And how are the structure of those three emails a week laid out? I mean, do you talk about the product in each of those emails? Do you give them links to buy it? Or is it more of like 
you tell them a little bit of, uh, you know, more information in the beginning, but then our results driven content and then offer it to them. How does that work? Okay. So, um, on, and this was per Ron, he, this was his idea on Mondays and Wednesdays. I write an email that is pure, I put this in quotes, value. Um, So it's either just entertaining or teaches people something or, um, or asks a question, something like that. It's just a fun story usually, a fun story with a point that I tie it into. And that just has the product at the bottom in the footer. I don't mention it. And then on Fridays, I do an email specifically about the product. Um, and that will also be some sort of fun story, something for people to read, even if they're not interested in buying. That's one thing that I always do is I say, like, I'm never going to do a straight sell. Like, here's a product I have. You should go buy it. I will always make it interesting for people who are not interested in the product. That's like just a principle that I stick to. And cause I never want people to say like, oh, this is, this is probably a sales email. I won't read it. I want them to be trained to open everything I send and enjoy it and like know there's something in it for them, even if they're not in the mood to spend. Mm. So Monday, Wednesday is just pure value. Friday is a sell, but also with the story angle. And do you have like a tip of how someone could weave that in if they were going to, you know, here's a story, but then also here's me confidently sharing with you this amazing product that you could buy? Um, yes, I, I've, my tip for weaving in anything is I, so I like to start with the story. I like to think like, what do I want to talk about today? And then I find a way to either gracefully or awkwardly segue into my point (laughs) or my sale. So if it's awkward, I make it super obvious that it's awkward. And I'll say like, why am I telling you about this? You know, because it's a story I wanted to tell. Sometimes there's no, you know, sometimes there is no graceful way to segue into um, what I want to sell, which today is this, you know, it might be, it might be that obvious and awkward, or it might be like, um, why am I talking about this, you know, waitress who di- who kept bringing me the wrong thing? Because that is what you're doing when your copy is not speaking to what the person actually wants. And I'll show you how to speak to what they actually want in my copywriting mini product, 60 Minute Makeovers. Love it. Okay. And if you're listening right now and you're like, but I still do, I can't visualize how she does. I still don't know. Go to her website mm-hmm. and subscribe to her newsletter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you That's can simple. start to see <laughs> the emails in action. Um, and we're going to get to how they can do that in a moment. But something just came up for me that I think we need to talk about because okay. it's, it's the I think what I find in my community, the most overlooked part of an email, but probably the most important. And that is the mm-hmm. subject line. Oh, yeah. Can yeah. you, yeah. Can you walk us through your... Um, just your unique perspective and genius when it comes to subject lines, any tips on how to write a subject line that is actually going to get the person to open the email? Mm-hmm. Okay. So my first tip, um, I, I like to make my emails, and this is an email tip in general. I like to make my emails what I call an EFAB. feel like an EFAB. EFAB stands for email from a bestie. Mm. Or if bestie is too femme for you, it could be from a bra. I'm sure you're. I'm sure you've got bestie listening. <laughs> email from a bra. Email from a boo. But I like to make it feel personal, and that starts with the subject line. Starts with the subject line. So, 
if you most people writing their newsletters get into newsletter mode, like now I am writing a newsletter and they capitalize, they write the subject line in title case, meaning capitalizing each, the first letter of each word. Mm-hmm. So making it look like a, a title, a book title or an article title. And that's the first tip to someone, um, whether consciously or subconsciously that, oh, this is from a business this is not a personal email. It's from a business. So first tip is don't write it in title case. Write it in the same in sentence case the way you would to a friend. You can also play around with like you don't even have to capitalize the first letter. Um, you know, it, it might be a subject line as simple as thought you'd like this. And we might actually not even capitalize that first T, you know, and we might not use any punctuation. We might not use a period. Thought you'd like this, just no punctuation. So that is the first thing. You think, what would I write to, like how would this look if I were writing it to a friend? So in terms of grammar, punctuation, um, uppercase, lowercase, think about that. Second, you want to make it really intriguing. Um, And that that takes some practice. You want to arouse, like what's going to arouse a curiosity factor? it might be something really vague, like, you know, I, I think I have one called talk about lazy and everyone opened that. Cause it's like, are, are you talking to me? Did I do something? Or I have another one. I think it was like, talk about rude or something. <laughs> like, are you talking to me? I have a friend who just wrote an e- a subject line. How dare you? And I was like, I opened it right away without even reading it. Yeah. Like without even registering that it said, how dare you? I just like, it felt so personal and so immediate. So I like to, I don't usually start with the subject line. I usually write the email and then I find the inspiration in that email, in that story for the subject line. Mm -hmm. Like what's the most intriguing way to advertise this, to advertise this content, to get them hooked into it. And um, it always, you always want to evoke curiosity. I have a, am I allowed to give you a freebie? Yes, please. Okay. Awesome. So if you go to talkingshrimp.com slash subject lines, I have, um, you can get my 33 most open subject lines and four that tanked. And I explain why they tanked. Mm. And, um, and it has templates for you to create your own subject lines. Sold. I love a template. Mm-hmm. Love a template. Never, never, know, never met I, a template I didn't love. Nope. I never know whether to call it a template or template, but I'm going to go template right for now. Yep. So that Our we're template. on the same page. Yep. Template. Tomato, tomato, template, exactly. template, template, template. Yes. So they can get these templates and examples. And um, it's talkingstrip.com forward slash subject lines. Correct. Easy peasy. Mm-hmm. That's great. I can't wait. I'm, I'm downloading that. It's so funny that I think one of my most opened subject lines ever, it, it says bye with a frowny face. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, bye. Uh, by a hundred percent. I mean, you, you know, people are afraid to be like, oh, I don't want to be negative. I don't want to lower people's vibe, but you know, conflict does a lot. Conflict goes a long way. Any kind of friction, conflict, prison, if you want to go French. Yeah. Anything like that in the subject line gets it open rather than, you know, saying like, oh, it's a happy day. Yeah. Like, okay. I'll open that later. But um, I did know, another one that did. Life. It was, um, what a bore snore. Oh yeah. I open that. I want to, I'd be like, is it me? What is it? Is it a mistake I'm making? Right. I a hundred percent want to open yep. that. Yep. 
I know. So interesting. Instead of like, why blogging matters and how you can learn how to blog the right way. Exactly. And yeah, you know, people think that um, putting why in it is going to make it intriguing, but then they tell the whole story. Like uh, one example I like is they'll say like, why bananas have the most potassium? Like, I don't care why. (laughs) And if you put it as a riddle, like, you know, what is yellow, cheap and stops leg cramps in the night? Mm. Um, then I'm like, oh, what is it? I might already guess it's a banana, but I want to, I still want to open it to see if I'm right. Right. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So cool. Um, okay. So thank you for walking us through that. Mm -hmm. Um, the last thing I kind of want to talk about or touch on, um, before we wrap up and, and talk about your amazing products as well. Um, cause coffee cure is phenomenal. I've had so many friends that have taken it and they're just, oh, it is so good. Thank um, you. Yes. I want to talk about resistance for a minute and, that, mm-hmm. and we've touched on this, but I think a lot of times people will get so in our, and we get in our heads, right. About writing that we just don't ever start. Do you have any kind of wisdom that you can share on, I don't have an idea. I don't know what I'm going to write, but I need to write something. I want to write something, but I don't want to sit down in the chair. What do I do? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, I feel you. I'm with you. I I used to go into my, when I had like a promo due, I used to walk into my boss's office, my boss, Tom Hill. I would sit down and just beg him to come up with an idea for me. I'm like, I can't think of anything. It's due tomorrow. I can't think of anything. And sometimes he'd write something for me. Sometimes he'd say, good luck to you. Then I'd wander and wander around and like, just try and wait till I had a good idea. And I realized one day that doesn't happen. Ideas don't come from thinking. They come actually come from writing. So if you sit down and write total garbage, I like to use uh, the app. It's a, a desktop thing, a browser app called um, 750words.com, 750words.com. And some people um, just like to write morning pages, you know, but write by hand, but I like Mm -hmm. to type. So this is a great place to free write, Um, just write whatever, journal, however you like to do it. Write a whole bunch of garbage. Do not think about whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's an idea. You can write um, just the act of writing over and over. I have nothing to write. I have nothing to write. Will eventually generate something. And that is the best way to get your brain thinking and um, helping you, supporting you, coming up with with an idea of something to write. You don't know what will come out, but something might spark an idea. Like, oh, there's something to write about. You can start with that, writing a whole bunch of garbage. If you have an inkling of what you want to write about, like, oh, I want to write about fear, then start brainstorming about that, even if you don't know what you want to write about fear. Um, Because you don't want to write like an essay on fear to your people. You don't want to say like, oftentimes we humans have to face fear. You want to write something personal. So brainstorm like all the different times you felt afraid you can make it a list. You can free write them. Um, just start, you know, writing a whole bunch of total garbage, not worrying if it has a point. Something will come out of that. So you can <clears throat> free write. You can make a list of um, of different times that of different associations with word. Just free associate, and then you can also look up prompts if you have nothing to write. So if you go online and look up writing prompts. You will find so many to choose from. 
and just pick something. It doesn't matter what it is. Like sometimes those constraints, like I have to force myself to write about cheese, even though it has nothing to do with my audience. I've got to find some way to connect cheese to what I want to talk to people about. That constraint can make you so much more creative. So picking a prompt that you weren't looking for that is challenging, that will help you create something. Mm, That's great. Thank you for those tips. So many good, like tactical gleams. Um, my audience, you, you guys just love this stuff. So I'm so excited. Um, this is awesome. Okay. So uh, talk, talk copy to me, copy cure to me and um, the other mini products that you have, because I know that they're bomb.com. Oh, thank you. Yes. Okay. So the, so the copy cure um, will be out again in May. It is We open it for enrollment once a year at the moment. We don't know when we're going to open it again, just like based on everyone's schedules. So they actually, there's a free course, a free email course that they can sign up for right now. They go to thecopycure.com and that will get them on the list. Um, I also have, you know, both to tide you over or to complement the copy cure. It is a great, quick, like visual learning tool. It's called the 60 minute makeover copywriting mini course, just the longest name ever for the shortest (laughs) course. Um, And if you like visual examples, this is the perfect thing to show you like copy, my copy tips in action, like how this one little tweak, um, how this one little tweak changed the whole tone of the, of this person's tagline or you know, of the, of the sales page or, so I have a whole bunch of different examples. And, um, I, I think, you know, we all love before and after photos. It's kind of like looking at liposuction pictures Oh yeah, for copy. So you get to do that with that course. And that is, um, also at talkingshrimp.com in the shop. If you go to the, like head over to the shop, you can find that there. And I have an about page builder to help you like give it gives templates 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 for your about page because that's a that's one that people struggle with forever and usually have the you know usually i think there are a lot of uh, website designers like there's a nation of website designers saying my client still hasn't given me their about page copy i can't move forward so now you can get that off your plate and then um a tackle your tagline cheat sheet Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, before we wrap this up, um, what does influence mean to you? Oh, influence to me means being <laughs> it means being able to change people. Mm. It means being able to being able to change people, and um, it doesn't have to be lots of them. But if you can, if you have the ability, ability to change people, you are an influencer. That is awesome. Laura Belgray, thank you so much for coming on. You gave so much wisdom, so much goodness. Um, I know that everyone's going to be going to those templates and your (laughs) website. And I cannot encourage each of you enough to sign up for her newsletter and and see how she works her magic in action. Um, So thank you so much for all of this. Um, I can't wait just to see how everyone's copy starts to thrive. Thank you so much. This was very enjoyable. And uh, yeah, go enjoy those templates. 
All right, that is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram, head on over to our Facebook group at the Influencer Podcast, and let me know your thoughts about today's show. All right, I will see you again, same time, same place next week. <laughs>